Does Bijan Robinson have the potential to be the Falcons' greatest running back ever? I've grinded the film and I'll break it down on today's Locked On Falcons. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and, of course, the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And I want to thank everyone that makes this illustrious podcast their first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode is my comprehensive uh, scouting report, evaluation, whatever you want to say about Bijan Robinson. I'll be doing these for all six of the Falcons draft picks, and uh, we'll start things off with Bijan Robinson. And I'll give you my thoughts on you know how he projects to the NFL, how he projects to the Falcons specifically, how the Falcons may use him, and we'll do some player comparisons to project sort of what is the at the very least the minimum he'll do in the NFL, and also the maximum he could do in the NFL. But let's talk about the player. You know, B. John Robinson, running back out of Texas, 5'11", 215, ran a four four six forty. That's eighty second percentile for the running back position. A one five two ten yard split. That's eighty third percentile. Thirty seven inch vertical. That was eightieth percentile. Uh, ten foot four inch broad jump is eighty third percentile. You know he hails from the Tucson area. Raised by his mother, his grandparents. You can go check out Tori McElhaney's, uh excellent article over at AtlantaFalcons.com to get more background on his love and passion for the game of football that began at an early age. You. That led to him being a five-star recruit, the number one running back in his recruiting class. He was recruited by Stan Drayton, the then Texas running backs coach, who's currently the Temple head coach, former Chicago Bears running backs coach, serving alongside then Bears quarterback coach, now Falcons offensive coordinator Dave Ragone with the Bears back in 2016. And Drayton is most notable for coaching Zeke Elliott at Ohio State and was a big part of why Zeke thought he you know Zeke himself says Stan Drayton is a credit to you know my success both in college and the pros and Bijan has similar sentiments about Stan Drayton he saw the field immediately at Texas as a true freshman splitting time with Roshan Johnson and Keontae Egram and eventually take took over for the latter and Ingram as the RB1 for Texas about three games into that COVID year in 2020 while he only had six more carries than Johnson as the lead tailback that year he managed to have 300 more yards than Johnson did on a similar workload then in year two Ingram transfers to USC uh Bijan takes over as the lead tailback fully he's still splitting carries with Roshan Johnson but it's like a, a two to one split two carries for everyone uh two carries for Bijan for everyone that Johnson gets then in 2022 you see an, an increased workload continued production it's a three to one split between Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson so Bijan finishes his career at Texas fourth overall fourth all time in their rushing uh books behind Ricky Williams Cedric Benson Earl Campbell so certainly going back to something that Jonathan Davis said on this podcast uh, this past week, which was, you know, Bijan deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore of some of the great Texas running backs and certainly being in the top four. 
the fact that he averaged 6.3 yards per carry across his entire career, despite playing behind a pretty poor Texas offensive line in all of those years, you know, it's just a testament to Bijan's skill set and his ability to create on his own and be able to enhance the blocking that is ahead of us. And of course, you like that because you're hoping that the Falcons offensive line, based off what they did last year, is going to be one of the better run blocking lines in the NFL. And if Bijan could do that behind a bad offensive line, what could he do behind a good offensive line? But when you look at uh, his skills and watching the film, I wound up watching about 80% of all his carries from this past year, 90% of his catches. I did not watch the Oklahoma and Kansas games from this past year, although PFF graded out both games as you know his fifth and second highest graded games respectively. Uh, and so technically, you could probably say that I didn't even get the best version of Bijan watching uh, about 80% of his film this past season. But, you know, wind up charting a lot of his plays and, and you, the reason why you chart the things watching the film is so that you understand how and why he succeeded and how and why he did not succeed in certain situations and one of the things i wanted to focus on was his production on third downs and short yardage and goal to go situations and he was pretty efficient in those areas had a 67 percent success rate on third downs based off my charting 78 percent on short yardage plays and about 50 percent in goal to go. And most of the instances where he was not successful was due to that poor blocking that we just mentioned. So, you know, overall, my opinion of Bijan, you know, pre deep dive into the film and post deep dive into the film didn't change a whole lot because I already had a very high opinion of him as a prospect before I did the deep dive. But now my opinion is a little bit more nuanced and saw some of the details. But essentially, the takeaway from watching the film is he checks all the boxes that you want from a skill set, skill set standpoint at the running back position, he is a complete running back. And so I don't necessarily have to spend a ton of time breaking down all the different things that he can do because he can do it all right. Whether you're looking for power or speed, vision, balance, contact balance, toughness, footwork, elusiveness, ball security, great hands, body control to make contested catches uh, and catches away from his body. He has the blocking skills, not only in pass protection, but even a couple of times, Roshan Johnson, his teammate, uh, would line up in the wildcat and they would ask Bijan to be the lead blocker on those plays or in other plays like an end around or whatever. And he was a very effective lead blocker in those situations. And so, you know, if you're grading him on a 10 point scale across those various uh, skill sets and, and metrics, you know, he's going to get an eight, nine or 10 pretty much across the board in all of those areas. If you're putting a five, you know, point letter grade system around it, he's going to grade out as an A and A minus A plus in a lot of those areas. And his only weaknesses are basically maybe a B plus. And probably the only place that I would probably grade him as a B plus is maybe his long speed where, you know, he has great acceleration, great short area uh, speed is, is very good. So over five yards, 10 yards, he's going to beat most college defenders, you know, to the corner or in space or whatever. But, you know, when he breaks those 30 plus yard runs, you know, a guy that has an angle on him will catch him down. And so basically if you're looking at players like Devon a chain, you know, Saquon Barkley, Tevin Coleman, guys that have like that 4-4 or, or faster speed, and those guys are considered A-level speeds in terms of their long speed, then Bijan is a B-plus in that regard. And speaking of Saquon Barkley, you know, it is notable to me that similar to Saquon, who Bijan has a very similar running style to, that when Saquon was at Penn State, you could find a lot of plays where Saquon was – probably trying to bounce plays and looking for big gains rather than just taking the yards that were given to him. Uh, and there's a, there's a couple of plays like that on Bijan's film. And so when you're talking about weaknesses, that's another thing that you can point out, but it's really a nitpick. And 
you know, because with Bijan, it was not nearly as consistent on his film as I thought it was on Saquon's film when he came out. We had Matt Waldman on the podcast not too long ago talking about that. And he kind of mentioned offhand why he was not as high on Saquon Barkley in that 2018 draft as other people were for this specific reason. We'll probably have Matt Waldman on later uh, this month to talk about Bijan and, and maybe we'll get deeper into uh, this very subject of contrasting Bijan's quote unquote vision and nuance versus Saquon's vision and nuance. But this is where you this is why for those of you that have heard me sort of offhand in, in various places like Twitter or on the Lockdown Falcons Discord sort of talk down on Saquon and, and call him not this generational talent that he was billed to be at the time in that 2018 draft. And this is for that reason, right, that Bijan Saquon do have a similar running style. Both are very explosive guys. They can cut on a dime. They can change direction at will, really make guys miss in the open field. And that the thing that made Saquon special in that regard was because he was able to do all those things at, in a 230 plus pound frame, right? And Bijan is a player that at 215 moves like a player that's 20 pounds lighter. And what made Saquon special is he moves similar to Bijan and he's even 20 pounds heavier than Bijan is. And that was what was intriguing about Saquon, but it wasn't, you know, the polish and the nuance and the technical aspects of playing the running back position, the good decision-making, the vision, all those things. Saquon was this big athlete. And if you were con comparing it uh, to use an analogy from this past year's draft to look at the quarterback situation, Saquon was like the Anthony Richardson, right? Uh, you know, in terms of this plus-plus athlete, this generational athlete, but in terms of like being the polished player at the position, you know, with Richardson at the quarterback position, Saquon at the running back position, that really wasn't Saquon's game. And contrasting that with Bijan, Bijan to me is more like Bryce Young, right? But if Bryce Young was six foot four, 230, so he checks all the boxes. So really, you know, to a more recent quarterback to compare Bijan to, to me is Trevor Lawrence, right? This player that, you know, as long as you don't have like, you know, Gerben Meyer coaching your team is probably going to be a, a home run for you in the draft. And, you know, again, this is not the cleanest analogy and whatnot, but this is why I think when people want to dismiss what Bijan can do in the next level, because, oh, well, Saquon, Barkley was this generational running back talent and he didn't necessarily revolutionize and, and change things. And it's like, yeah, because Saquon Barkley was Anthony Richardson. He wasn't Trevor Lawrence. You know what I'm saying? And so it's a very big difference when you're talking about like, you're not expecting Anthony Richardson to, to, you know, maybe some people are, but you know, like you're not expecting him to be the, basically the standard in which you judge all future quarterbacks by like so many people are using Saquon as the standard in which you judge all future running back, at least early round selections in that regard. And so similar to Trevor Lawrence, I really do think Bijan Robinson is going to be, you know, this sort of generational, you know, that label gets, that term gets thrown around too much, but like similar to Trevor Lawrence, you know, where you had to go all the way back to, you know, uh, almost a decade to Andrew Luck to find a comparable talent. I think you have to do the same thing. You, it, like when you're going to Bijan, you're going beyond Saquon Barkley. You're going back to Zeke Elliott in 2016. You're going back to Todd Gurley in 2015. You're going back to Adrian Peterson in 07. So those are the types of players that I think are much more comparable to what Bijan Robinson did. And I think all of those guys have had much bigger impacts on the game in the NFL than Saquon Barkley did. So that's why part of the reason why I feel uh, very good about what Bijan can be in the NFL. And we'll talk a little bit more specifically about what Bijan can be specifically in Atlanta. Now that I've given you a general overview of Bijan's skill set and all the various ways that the Falcons can utilize him, including how he fits in the Falcons outside zone blocking scheme and how much the Falcons are going to utilize him in the passing game early on in his career. And we'll break that down as we continue today's locked on Falcons on our Bijan Robinson comprehensive scouting report. But guys, this is a long episode. 
And sometimes you might have to give us a pause and, and take a break to get your energy back up. You know, the enthusiasm for B. John Robinson waxes and wanes and you want to have the maximum energy, you know, in order to check out this episode. And of course, you know, the way that you can boost your energy is by checking out the best tasting protein bar out there on the market. That is Built Bar. The protein bar tastes like a candy bar. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They have great macros, you know, low in sugar, low in calories, whopping 17 grams of protein. They come in a variety of great flavors. And you can go to Built.com and order one of the limited time flavors, um, you know, and use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your order. But even more conveniently, if you're near Walmart or Sam's Club, you can just run in to Walmart go to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a four bar box of cookies and cream or double chocolate. If you're running into Sam's, you can grab a 13 bar box of brownie batter puff or churro puff. Trust me, you will thank me later. So as we continue today's Locked on Falcons, want to give a shout out to all my everydayers, but we've reached the point in the podcast for all you everydayers that make us your first listen, where despite my very high opinion of B. John Robinson as this quote unquote generational talent, I am going to do my best to try to temper your expectations for what he's going to be at least right right away in Atlanta when we talk about his scheme fit and his usage and all those various things. And so I think when you look at his scheme fit, while I think Bijan is a complete running back, you, you got to love his projection in Atlanta. Um, but I'm not 100% convinced it's going to manifest immediately in Atlanta, right? And that that refers to the difference between running in a gap scheme versus a zone running scheme that the Falcons primarily utilize. And Texas ran a pro-style run scheme that features both zap, zone and gap runs. And that's what you see throughout the NFL where various teams run both zone and gap the, what differs from team to team in the NFL is the degree in which they run one versus the other, right? So pro football focus had Bijan having about a 55 45 split in zone to gap runs, but I would wager the majority of those zone runs were inside zone runs. Right. And then you compare that to the Falcons, you know, you know, zone gap split, according to PFF, it was about an 80 to 20 zone gap split and the Falcons primarily ran outside zone. Um, and I'm not going to go too deep on the differences between those two uh, schemes, but I do think going to more of a zone heavy scheme is going to be a bit of a learning curve for Bijan Robinson. So it may not be day one, hit the ground running. He's a perfect fit. Right. But you'll see plenty of plays on his film where he's running sort of the staples of the outside zone running scheme, which you'll see the stretch play. You'll see the crack toss play. Those are staples of the Falcons run scheme. He's effective on those things, but I do think he's going to be need a little bit more refinement. You know, zone running schemes requires more vision, essentially a gap running scheme. The simplest way I can explain it is gap is you as a running back are supposed to hit a specific gap, right? The blockers block specific players. You know, you can think of it as man blocking, right? You have, you block this guy, the running back is supposed to hit this gap. If the block is executed well, a zone running scheme is you kind of set it up where there's like four gaps that a running back can hit. And it's really about his vision to locate the gap that he should hit based off of, you know, different creases and, and cutback lanes and all that stuff. So it's a little bit more complicated. And I think this was a contributing factor to why Tyler Algier, you know, got off to a relatively slower start last year uh, than, you know, people expected. And what was notable is Algier came from a very zone outside zone heavy scheme at BYU that BYU had a very similar, you know, zone gap split as ours. I was like 75, 25. Uh, and that's part of the reason why so many people were like, oh, I love Tyler Algier and his Falcons offense. He's going to fit in. But, you know. You may recall, if you listen to last year's scouting report on Tyler Algier, I personally thought and, uh, that you know Tyler Algier was probably better as an inside zone and gap runner than he was as a true outside zone guy. And I think that was reflected in his relatively slow start. 
And I, I feel like Bijan similarly, you know, may take some time to figure it out, but he'll be fine because he's so talented that he'll be able to get by, even if he hasn't necessarily mastered the zone scheme. And, you know, you look at Algier last year through the first eight weeks of the season, he was averaging 3.9 yards per carry. Then after that point, when it seemed like the light sort of turned on for him, he was averaging 5.6 yards per carry. And so this is not a prediction or anything like that. But like I could see as Bijan's figuring it out, he's averaging like four and a half yards per carry. And then you're sitting there going like, oh, well, he once he figures it out now, what is he going to be able to, to do? Is that going to be like six and a half yards or something ridiculous like that uh, once he actually figures out uh, how to fit in the scheme? So I do think there is going to be a learning curve, but there's no reason to think that eventually, you know, he'll be able to overcome that and be very successful in the falcon scheme and it just seems like right now coming out of texas he's probably a little bit more comfortable in that gap scheme because it, it requires less thinking it's just like boom use your athleticism and hit that hole as hard as you can and it's you know you go back to devin Devontae freeman versus tevin coleman right here in atlanta where tevin coleman you know was did not have the understanding of the vision of running in an outside zone scheme like Devontae freeman did but because tevin coleman's physical abilities allowed him to be similarly productive as Devonte freeman was in the scheme despite the fact that he was constantly messing up his reads or whatever the case may be and i could see Bijan having a similar start to his career here in atlanta so it might take a month or two it might take a couple of months it might take a year or two for him to f- figure that out and master that scheme but he'll be uh eventually fine and once he does you better watch out but let's talk about his impact in the passing game and you've heard from myself and probably some others about the potential creativity that Bijan presents to the passing game because of the flexibility and potential he has to line up in multiple areas. And this is mostly a projection at this point in time, because when you look at how he was utilizing college at Texas, he wasn't really utilized in that way. Like you, he, they dabbled in moving him around the formation, but they didn't feature him in a major way in that regard. But I do think, again, he has the skill set to project really well to be able to do that at the NFL level, even if he didn't do that at the collegiate level, um, you know, I think we'll we'll talk about his impact on the passing game, but let's talk about, you know, where it starts when it comes to the passing game is which is pass protection, right? If you can't protect the quarterback, you're not going to be on the field on on in order to utilize your assets as a pass catcher. And, you know, I think Bijan fared very well in pass protection. My charting, you know, gave credit him in those eight ten games that I watched where he he gave up a sack, two hits, a pressure, and two hurries across twenty-five plays. Uh, where he was in pass protection, not necessarily looking at the times where he's chipped, like when he was actually a part of a five or six man protection, those types of plays. Now, most of the time when he did mess up and, and give up that pressure, um, it was because of, of blown assignment, not because he was physically incapable of making the block. Like he's very physically capable of squaring up a defender and popping a guy and, and is very you know, aggressive at times when uh, he, he's, you know, he sees an A gap pressure and he's going to basically, like, I'm not going to let that guy come to me. I'm going to pop him before he even crosses the line of scrimmage. And that's something that you like to see. So I think he'll be more than capable as a three down running back because of his pass protection abilities. And so that will allow him to be able to be fostered as a pass catcher. And he's a very good pass catcher, great hands, uh, does an excellent job catching the ball away from his body, has excellent body control. And it's comparable to Kyle Pitts. Now, I know that's a little crazy to a lot of folks, but when you see like his ability to adjust to back shoulder throws, to make adjustments in the air, secure the ball quickly, turn up field and all these various things, it is reminiscent of Kyle Pitts. Now, granted, Kyle Pitts, 
did it at a much larger sample size than B. John Robinson did, right? And the fact that Kyle Pitts was doing that with his size, his length, his frame is much more impressive than Bijan's more compact frame. But it is one of those things where athletically you do see that level of athleticism that we marveled at with Kyle Pitts in Bijan Robinson in the passing game, even if it is for a much smaller sample size. But as I said, Texas didn't do a lot of creative or exotic things with him in the passing game in terms of asking him to run a variety of routes. But the traits are there that I could see him, you know, lining up wide, lining up in the slot, being covered by, you know, defensive back safeties, corners and whatnot, and being able to run routes that he can create potential separation against, you know, proven starting caliber corners, right? Now, the question of whether he's asked to do that or will get the opportunity to do that here in Atlanta is a major question mark uh, because, again, he didn't do that at Texas. He wasn't asked to do that at Texas. Most of the routes that he was asked to run were angle routes or Texas routes, as, as some people refer to them, where he's you know running over the middle uh, out of the backfield, screens, of course, hitches, um, you know, and vertical routes like fades and goes and wheels. And basically what Texas asked him to do whether it was running into the flat or running vertical down the, the field on a wheel route or something like that. It was just like basically run past this defender and we'll throw the ball to you. And like that's he was effective doing that. And so when we talk about whether how the Falcons would utilize him in the passing game, again, that's very similar to how the Falcons have utilized Cordero Patterson in the past. And whether Bijan can do more than that is mostly a projection and we're talking about the potential and the long-term possibility, but I would not expect those things to happen week one, right? Like I think instead early in the season, you'll see him be utilized in the same ways that we utilized Cordero Patterson in 2021, which you may recall after that season, when everybody was giving Arthur Smith credit for, you know, unlocking the potential of Cordero Patterson, I kind of pushed back against that because I didn't think Arthur Smith was doing that many creative things with Cordero Patterson. He was running a lot of simple routes like hitches, screens, vertical routes like fades and goes and, and wheels and whatnot. And, you know, CP, you know, would basically on the short stuff, catch it and, and create some magic after the catch, or it would basically, you know, run past this DB or, or go up and make this contested catch over this DB. And of course, those were all things that Cordero Patterson did, you know, from his days at Tennessee. So it wasn't like Arthur Smith was like reinventing the wheel when it came to go Cordero Patterson. And so I imagine at the very least, because we've seen Arthur Smith utilize a running back in this way, we can definitely expect Bijan Robinson to be used in a similar way. And again, that's very similar to what he did at Texas, whether they ask him to do more than that, you know, running option routes and all these different things, you know, slants and all this stuff as like a wide receiver remains to be seen. But, you know, it's all part of the development. And so I think you will see the Falcons start with the basics. And then the question is whether or not they evolve and expand from that point on. Uh, and so this is, again, me trying to temper expectations that we can certainly be super excited about Bijan's potential as a pass catcher and as a route runner and as this sort of versatile weapon in Atlanta over the next half decade or more. Uh, but I would not expect that to be fully formed when the season starts in September, right? You're hoping that that's going to be something that we can grow into as, over the course of the season. And so one of the talking points you will hear probably a lot on this podcast, not only over the next several months through the summer, but also throughout the season is the notion of evolving this offense very similar to what we talked about last year when it was like can we go from this run heavy formation this one-dimensional run heavy offense to a, a more balanced competent passing attack and then this year i think the evolution is 
hopefully we have a more competent balanced passing attack and can we evolve that uh, from that being our starting point to a more advanced and innovative passing attack by years in hopefully if the playoffs are on the horizon you will see the falcons playing their best ball down the stretch and that's something that we can build towards and and, and project forward but we'll just have to wait and see if it's happened and so you know i think whether we're talking about Bijan, you know some of the other young players like a desmond ritter or the team overall you know, it's it's less about how you start and it's more about how you finish. But I wanted to establish that notion because we're going to get into the player comparison portion of today's episode. And my floor comp is going to be very high praise to some. And that floor comp is Alvin Kamara with the New Orleans Saints. And of course, Kamara is very notable for being a very dynamic weapon in the in the passing game. But a lot of that is due to how Sean Payton utilizes him in creative ways. And I'm not hundred percent convinced that Arthur Smith and the Falcons will utilize Bijan in that same way. So in addition to those Camaro comps, I'll also give you my projection for what Bijan's ceiling is in the NFL. And, you know, spoiler that will also, uh, or not also, but that will be a hall of fame caliber running back. And then I'll project his eye level, which is to me the most realistic outcome slash middle ground between those two points of the floor and ceiling. And we'll get into all of that as we wrap up today's locked on Falcons. So, guys, I want to thank everyone again that makes Locked on Falcons their first listen each and every day. And for those everydayers, tomorrow's episode, I believe, we'll be having Damian Parson of the Locked on NFL Draft podcast to break down the Falcons draft class. But for those of you that are everydayers that are relatively new to making Locked on Falcons your first listen, and that basically means in the last 10 or so months, you probably haven't heard the scouting report episodes that I do annually on this podcast. Uh, and basically how I do it is I do player comparisons and I compare floor, ceiling, and eye level. And to me, what a floor is, is what a player is coming into the NFL, right? Day one, week one, you know, first practice. This is what I expect from this player day one. And I think that's important because we spend so much time talking about the potential as I have spent the previous like 20-ish minutes talking about Bijan Robinson's potential. But we never really talk about what, the player is day one. And I think because we spend so much time talking about what a guy is going to be potentially like five years from now, you know, it sets up these unrealistic expectations for a lot of players. And of course, you know, me comparing Bijan Robinson uh, to Alvin Kamara as his floor is not necessarily setting the bar particularly low, but you contrast that with what I think a ceiling is. And that to me is the best case scenario, the max version of what a player can be with the max, the best case development that he can get uh, in the NFL. And the eye level to me is the midpoint between those points, halfway between the floor and the ceiling. Uh, and some people see it as a hedge, which, you know, fair, but I think it's a more accurate representation representation of what a player is going to be, because you, I think you can somewhat assume that a player will get some development you know, after he gets into the league for a couple of years and improve from his floor, but it may not reach the ceiling because that requires unknown variables like durability and scheme fit and coaching stability, all these things that you don't really know. So projecting him to be able to reach that ceiling also feels like a little bit of a stretch. So, you know, there's a reason why they call me Mr. Drew, uh, AKA negative Nancy here on the podcast. So I, I can't go quite as far with the ceiling, but we'll talk about that. So let's talk about you know, his floor, which is Alvin Kamara for me. And the main reason I'm, I'm using this comparison is not only because they're both dual threats in terms of what they can do in the run game and pass game, but Kamara is, is notable for his 
contact balance, right? And I know Jameer Gibbs, the Alabama running back, got a lot of comps to Alvin Kamara. That didn't quite work for me. Aaron Jones was more my comp for Jameer Gibbs. But I think a lot of the reasons why people comped Gibbs to Kamara over, say, like a Bijan is because of Gibbs's value in the passing game, uh, similar to what we've seen Kamara do under Sean Payton over the years. And of course, I'm hoping that we will also see Arthur Smith do some of the similar things uh, with Bijan in the passing game. But mostly this comparison is, is divorcing us from the pass game stuff with Kamara and looking at the run game stuff. And with Kamara, you know, over his first five years in the NFL, he was averaging about 60 yards a game. And you saw him come into the league pretty quickly and kind of be a 1A running back in a committee in New Orleans, splitting time with Mark Egram and then later Latavius uh, Murray. And, you know, Kamara is a guy that is not going to necessarily be the guy that carries a running game, right? Uh, he's not going to be a feature back. He's going to be a guy that, you know, his best year in New Orleans as a runner he averaged like 12 carries, 60 yards in the touchdown every single week. And that's, you know, very good production. That's a guy that's, you know, a borderline thousand yard rusher over the course of a full season. But in the year since then, since 2020, we've seen Kamara get an expanded workload, a higher percentage of the carries, and it hasn't led to an increase in production. And, and basically Kamara's six year body of work tells us that he's kind of more of a guy that's you, you can realistically expect to get 12 to 15 carries a game, produce a thousand yard season, that's what Kamara has been throughout his career. And that, to me, is what I expect Bijan Robinson's floor to be. A guy that can get 12 to 15 carries, probably produce a 1,000-yard season right off the bat. You know, obviously, the other thing with Kamara, again, is that passing game stuff. While Kamara was, you know, producing those types of numbers uh, on the ground, he was also catching 80 passes, you know, every single year with the Saints. And I think Bijan has that potential, but, again, goes back to whether or not we'll see Arthur Smith utilize him in that way but similar to Kamara I think you will consider Bijan to be one of the 10 to 15 best running backs emphasis on the running stuff now again Kamara's passing game contributions push him usually into the top five running back conversation when we talk about him but hopefully you guys understand the nuance that I'm, I'm kind of divorcing those two issues when we're talking about this player comparison for Bijan uh, and that moves us to the other end of the spectrum which is the ceiling for Bijan Robinson and I stole this comp from the ringer and Danny Kelly and it's Edger and James right uh, and this is going back a ways but you know I know for the Gen Z folks listening to the podcast they're like who no I don't even know who Edger and James is but um you know I think the, the reason why the comp makes works for me is because of their similar running styles they're both these bigger slashing type of runners, you know, but if they want to run you over, they can, if they want to run past you, they can. I know Ladanian Tomlinson is the common comp that you hear from Bijan and they're very similar from a, a height, weight, speed standpoint. Um, but to me, LT's running style was a little bit more straight line uh, where I think edge is a little bit more comparable to Bijan. Um, and then you also factor in that Edger and James, uh, Produced at a, you know, LT is kind of the standard for high level running back production uh, over the last 20 years. But like what people often forget is Edger and James produced at a level comparable, if not slightly higher than Ladanian Tomlinson, especially early in his career. And Edger and James had that same impact as a dual threat runner and receiver. Uh, but the reason I think partially why LT is put on that. Uh, pedestal versus James is because LT's prime sort of coincided with the rise and explosion of fantasy football in the early 2000s. While during that time, that was kind of the tail end of, you know, Edger and James's prime. Uh, and, and you look at Edger and James's early career, like he led the NFL in rushing in his first two years in the NFL. And he was a big reason why, you know, Peyton Manning, I think was able to kind of tread water the first couple of years before Peyton Manning became Peyton Manning, uh, you know, 
and there's you know there's analogies there there's parallels there between what the falcons are trying to build here but that will be a separate conversation there but you know i, I do think edron james's production is that sort of elite skill set uh you know in terms of what he did and Again, you're 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 talking about a comparison that has similar running style to elite production. That to me is what uh, Bijan Robinson's ceiling is. Obviously, Edwin James is a Hall of Famer. When he retired, he was a top ten all time rusher, and he had a decade's worth of of production in the NFL. Whether we'll see Bijan reach those heights remains to be seen. Again, those are unknown variables, but I think the potential was definitely there. And time will tell. And, you know, I think Bijan has the potential to be one of the, the, the best running back in Falcons history. I think, you know, he'll con- potentially be considered one of the best running backs ever, similar to what we consider LaDainian Tomlinson. And to a lesser extent, you know, I don't, I don't think Edron James gets that type of recognition by the public, but I'm sure in the state of Indiana, he certainly does. And so, you know, we'll see if Bijan can reach those similar heights. But where does that leave my eye level? And there's not a lot of room. And this was kind of hard to come up with one because, you know, Kamara's arguably, you know, a top five to 10 running back today. And James was arguably a top five to 10 running back of all time. And there's not like a huge middle ground between those. But I ultimately settled on Frank Gore. Right. And a lot of this was due to a very similar running style. Frank Gore is a little bit more compact than Bijan, but similar size. And the thing that stood out about Frank Gore is the vision, the nuance, the detail of playing the running back position. And hopefully Bijan will get there. Uh, but, you know, this is one of the things that Matt Waldman constantly waxes poetic about Frank Gore's, you know, vision and all these various things. And um, this is a big reason I, I think why Frank Gore is the third all-time leading rusher. Now, a lot of that, I think, is owed to the fact that, you know, Frank Gore was able to play at a high level for a much longer time than your typical running back, right? You know, Edron James was elite, the best in the league for like five to seven years. Kamara has been one of the best in the league for like five to seven years. And there's not a whole lot of middle ground between those two. But like Frank Gore was like a very good running back for 15 years, right? Uh, And so, you know, that's a longevity conversation about Gore and Bijan. I don't know if you know, again, that's hard to predict. But what we did see from Frank Gore that we didn't see from Alvin Kamara was that Frank Gore, for basically a decade in San Francisco, was able to carry their running game. He was the feature running back. And that's why I consider Gore to be a higher level than Alvin Kamara, certainly as a runner. Um, and so that to me is where Bijan's eye level comp is. He can be a guy like Frank Gore that, you know, again, whether he does it for a decade will depend on unknown factors, but he's going to be a guy that can be a feature running back and considered one of the better running backs in the league. Right. You know, but he may not necessarily be considered the best running back in the league. That to me is his eye level, uh, in, in that regard. And so, you know, I hope those comps make sense to you guys. In that regard, like I think if you looked over the first five years of their careers, um, you know, Alvin Kamara averaged about 58 yards per game. Frank Gore averaged like 101 yards per game and Edger and James averaged about 126 yards per game. So that's kind of, you know, if you want to put a number beside it, it's like 60, 100 and 125 yards is the, the different levels that we're comparing Bijan to. And I think he'll be one of those running backs that will probably average at least 100 yards or more uh, per game over the, you know, the next 80s some odd games that he winds up playing. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I do have this feeling that Bijan is going to be kind of this one of one player and that 20 years from now, it'll be people comparing running backs to Bijan, like we compare running backs to LT, uh, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. And, you know, this is as high a praise I've given any Falcons draft pick that we've had 
when I've started doing these comparisons and, and player comps in earnest back in 2018, like my floor for Kyle Pitts was Logan Thomas, who, while he didn't make the Pro Bowl the previous year, uh, when I did that breakdown, he did put up Pro Bowl numbers. Shout out to Evan Ingram for stealing his spot on the NFC Pro Bowl squad. Um, but like when you compare all these other first round picks that we've done over the last couple of years, usually I just kind of compare these guys to like a quality starter. Like last year with Drake London, I was, his floor to me was like Mohamed Sanu, which was like a I know, I know you guys are like, wait, you called Muhammad Sanu a quality starter, so I have to, I have to, you know, backtrack a little bit. You know, Muhammad Sanu was a quality number three to come into the league, and I thought, like, Drake London at the very least would be that day one in the NFL. But with Bijan, you know, my floor comp for him is, is a guy that, you know, has made the Pro Bowl five out of the last six years. And so, you know, that's kind of how good he is. And, you know, this is why I think kind of the positional value conversation is is somewhat silly, right? Like, if you believe that a team should never draft a running back in the first round or, or at least in the top 10, like I get it to a certain extent, but like, I, I also feel like a lot of that stems from people that don't think the running game is, is particularly valuable. And so therefore investing resources into that is a waste of, of resources, um, which I understand. I don't necessarily agree with, but you know, I, I feel like you have to have at least an exception to the rule. And if, and if you don't, then like to me, Bijan is the exception to the rule, right? If, if if you're going to have an exception to the rule, it is Bijan, right? And so, you know, I'm sure there will be skeptics out there that say, like, weren't we saying the same thing about Kyle Pitts a couple of years ago? And it's like, yeah, sure. You know, we, we thought Kyle Pitts was this sort of generational tight end. And there's the possibility that three years from now, we'll be talking about Bijan Robinson and being like, yeah, I guess that wasn't the best investment. That's possible. But, you know, I think the notable difference when we took Pitts was it hadn't been proven up to that date that you could build an offense around a tight end. Right. We thought we were on the cutting edge drafting Kyle Pitts where this is going to be the next step in evolution in the NFL and all these various things. And that hasn't quite lived up to the imagination over the last two seasons. Uh, but I don't think you're going to have that same concern with, you know, building an offense around a running back. We've seen that proof of concept be proven over and over again for decades in the NFL. Right. That you can build an offense around a running back. We've seen Arthur Smith do that with Derrick Henry in Tennessee. So to me, the only real concern I have about Bijan at the next level is just durability, which is impossible to predict. I'm not one of these superstitious people that basically say, oh, you're not allowed to talk about injuries because then you're going to jinx things. Injuries happen in the NFL. It's part of the game, you know, and, and so talking about them to me is not a problem for me. Um, and we'll see what happens with Bijan. But, you know, you know, the thing that makes me optimistic that you know injuries won't be as big an issue for him as say they were with Saquon Barkley is I don't think the Falcons going to be force feeding him 300 plus carries right away in the NFL right you know that's the benefit of having Tyler Algier and you know I know there's some people like well if they want to justify the pick they better you know no they don't have to live up to your weird standards arbitrary standards for what they need to do to justify the pick but you know I do wonder about Bijan's durability in the NFL, right? Because I, I've seen plays watching the film where he's got folded in half. There was a very nasty hit that he took in his, I think, freshman year where his like neck seemed to bend in the wrong way where he got flipped and whatnot. And, you know, he comes back the next week, he, you know, misses a couple of series and then comes back and he's fine. And there's a part of me that's like, is he bionic? You know, like, is he one of these Adrian Peterson level freaks that a few years from now will be like, yeah, he descended from earth sometime and showed up on this planet. And I'm very curious to see how that plays out. I don't know how it will play out. That's why it's completely unpredictable and, and, and random to a certain extent. But at least as far as the prospect is concerned, to me, B. John Robinson is on the Mount Rushmore of, you know, at least in my lifetime that I've watched the Falcons play over the last 30 years. He's on that Mount Rushmore of prospects, right? And that puts him with Vic and Deion Sanders and Julio Jones, right? 
Now, whether or not Bijan, the player, is that level, is on the Falcons' Matt Rush more with Julio and Matt Ryan and whoever else you put up there in terms of having the best career in Atlanta remains to be seen. But, you know, I do think it is fitting for that reason that he is rocking the number seven uh, on his jersey. And so I think the expectations should be high, and it's just a matter of whether or not he lives up to the hype. And, you know, the last point I'll say is, you know, I've been workshopping some nicknames for him. Uh, and he probably doesn't need one because his name is Bijan, you know, just like Julio didn't need one. His name is Julio or Dion didn't need one. His name is Dion, all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, I'm workshopping Mr. Incredible. So leave a comment uh, in terms of what you think your your best nickname that you're going to refer to Bijan as other than just simply Bijan. Um, you know, leave a comment here. Locked on Falcons YouTube. Provide your feedback at LockedOnFalcons at mail.com, the email address. Hit me up on Twitter, Facebook at LockedOnFalcons, or hit me up in the Discord, uh, the link in the description below. So that is where we'll wrap up, guys. Tomorrow's episode, we will be joined by Damian Parson of the Locked On NFL Draft to get his thoughts on B. John Robinson and this Falcons 2023 draft class. And we have a lot of great guests uh, throughout the week. Coming on, we'll talk about Matthew Bergeron. We'll talk about Zach Harrison as well. And, of course, I think this week the schedule comes out, so we'll get a better idea of what, you know, the Falcons' season may look like and, and sort of what game we can look at and say, maybe this is going to be Bijan's breakout game. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll have some fun uh, late at the end of the week when we break down the Falcons' 2023 schedule. So, guys, continue to make us your first listen. Continue to check out Locked On NFL Draft if you want to get more insight from Damian Parson and his co-host, Keith Sanchez. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.